All right. Everybody turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Today we're going to continue in the series, Teach Us to Pray. And uh, how many of you are enjoying this cool weather that we're having? Man, I went hunting yesterday morning. It was so beautiful. And uh, I was sitting up in the tree stand, and a doe had slept, uh, or slept, crept up behind me. She was sleeping behind me, though, I think, because uh, she was laid up waiting for the sun to rise and to come out there and eat the corn. And, man, it was just so cool and nice and crisp, and I could hear her walking through those leaves. But I already got a doe, so I let her live. I was nice to her yesterday. And uh, plus, I have three big bucks at my corn, so I don't want to mess up that opportunity. But, uh, but in this cool weather, how many of you have made something that is conducive to cold weather to eat? How many of you have made chili already? How many of you made gumbo? Oh, yeah, we got some gumbo. How many of you like gumbo? Yeah, okay. Now, how many of you don't like gumbo? Who doesn't like gumbo? So Jennifer's the only one that we need to have an altar call for. Oh, who is that? Okay. So, Jillian, are you serious? Is your dad's gumbo that bad? Man, that is just crazy. You know, I was really wondering if anybody would literally raise their hand when I said, who doesn't like gumbo? But here's the funny thing about gumbo, is gumbo is different in every household. Now, Tina Walters and Dad's gumbo were pretty dang close. I mean, they, they pretty much used the same ingredients. And the thing about gumbo is this, is that Everybody uses different ingredients when it comes down to it. I mean, first off, there are the basics, right? You've got to have some mandatory things to make it gumbo. And first off is what? Rue. Grease. You've got to have some grease in there, right? You've got to have some grease and burnt flour. I mean, you can't have gumbo without grease and burnt flour. So if it doesn't have rue in it, it's not gumbo. It's soup or it's stew. But, you know, I've heard of people putting bologna in gumbo. I've heard of, you know... Some people like eggs in their gumbo. Some, you know, so look at all the look at all the division we're having over these ingredients. Uh, some some people put okra in their gumbo. Uh, some people what is what what are some odd things that people put in gumbo? Tomatoes. You see, here's the deal though. Here's the deal though. All these different opinions and ingredients we're talking about the exact same thing. Gumbo. Gumbo. And, you know, what's amazing is Papa Do's is, is, they'll probably kick me out of there, but, you know, Papa Do's, I have never eaten anything bad there, but I don't like their gumbo because it's black and it's thin. That's odd to me. That's just like, this is soup. It's not gumbo. Because when I order a plate, when I order, I, I make, my first judgment is this. Is it brown and is it thick? That's the two things that I'm going to initially think, yeah, this is probably going to be a good gumbo. And then I'm going to taste it. But if it's not brown and it's not semi-thick, then I've already got reservations before I take the first bite as to whether this is really going to be a good gumbo, right? But we all can agree there are some, there are some basic ingredients that you have to have to make it a gumbo. But after that, you can put what the heck you want in it to your liking. You know, sometimes I'm in the mood for seafood gumbo. Sometimes I just want straight-up chicken gumbo. No sausage or anything, just chicken. And I don't want it cubed, man. Don't cube that chicken. I want it shredded and tender. Right? And some of them say, well, I cube my chicken. That's fine. That's the way you like it. This ain't the dancing. No, it's not. But here, here's the deal, though. When you make gumbo, when you make gumbo, 
When you make gumbo, who are you making it for? Yourself. So it really doesn't make a flip what everybody else thinks or how everybody else eats it. I mean, when I cook, I cook it the way I like it, right? I like my fish fried a certain way. I like my steaks cooked a certain way. When I usually cook, I'm cooking the way I like it, you know? You know, me and, me and my, my girls, you know, when I cook steaks, I got to cook my steak and I got to cook one for Christy because Christy likes it, you know, medium, uh, medium, medium well, burnt, you know. I like mine, you know, but you know, what's funny is, is over time how, how I've kind of compromised, you know, and we, we kind of make them similar. Why? Because I hate my steak being ready and hers not and me still having to cook, you know what I mean? So I, I'm trying, I'm like, you know, I can make some compromises and I've, I've, I've worked it out where it tastes pretty good. I even drink Dr. Pepper now, you know. Used to, I would only drink Dr. Peppers with burritos because it was a good concoction. It's like a fine wine and cheese, you know, you got to get your... Dr. Pepper goes well with Mexican food. But now I drink it just to drink it. And, 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 and I, used, I grew up eating mayonnaise, and now I... No, Miracle Whip. Now she makes me eat mayonnaise, and I've gotten to where I like it. You know, my tastes have adjusted and acquired to, to her likings, you know. And, and there's three women and me and a dog. There's four women, so I got outvoted on what we eat in our house. And, and I, brush, I don't even brush my teeth with Crest anymore. I use Colgate, you know. That was blasphemy in my household growing up. Use Crest. That was the West way, right? So the West is not won on this one. The West is lost. And we use Crest and I mean, Colgate. We drink Dr. Pepper and we eat mayonnaise or mayonnaise, whatever you call it. See, I'm still trying to figure out the differences and all that. But the thing is this, to have gumbo, you have to have a certain, there, there is a bottom line that makes it a gumbo or not. It can get pretty crazy and varied after that, but there's a basic that makes it a gumbo. And, and you know what? Here's, here's the thing. When it comes to worship, when it comes to prayer, which we're talking about now, when it comes to the Christian life, we can do two things. We can make the gumbo to our liking, or we can make the gumbo to God's liking. You see what I'm saying? You see, we're to make gumbo, but we're to make it and offer it to the Lord. Everything that we do is to be done unto the Lord. And so it's, that's, that's why you have so many churches that worship different ways and teach different things. You know, they, they, sometimes it gets to be more about our liking. Well, I'm, I'm traditional, or I'm this, or I'm that. You know? and, and while our, our worship is, is contemporary in the sense it has contemporary instruments and sounds, I don't consider us a contemporary worship church. I don't consider us a traditional worship church. It's, it's about God. Amen? It's about worshiping the Lord. It's about Him being first. It's not about the band just getting up here and singing. It's about all of us singing collectively. And, exp- and here's the deal. What are the ingredients of worship? We read it. The, the seven ways to praise. Shouting and clapping. And, 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 and it doesn't matter how you feel. You know, you, you worship the Lord the way He wants it. Is worship for us or is it for Him? Who are we here to glorify, us or the Lord? Are we here to glorify our righteousness or the righteousness that was imputed to us because of our faith in Jesus Christ? Who are, we, who are we here to be thankful for? I've gotten myself out of a few binds, but none of the binds that, 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 that I could, you know, God has gotten me out of things that there's no way I could have gotten myself out of. Who are we here to serve? And, and the same thing in our prayer life. When we pray, we need to say, okay, God, how do you want this? What ingredients do you want? 
What do you want this to contain? What do you want this to not contain? How do you want it, Lord? Because, you know, our prayers are offered to the Lord. They're sacrifices. We're giving them to the Lord. It's, it's, it's communication. It's talking with the Lord. It's relationship with Him. And so many of us, man, if, if we made gumbo like our prayers, it would taste nasty. Because, because what we do, we would just like put grease and we, we would just eat grease. Have you ever ate the grease alone? That's nasty. What about the roux alone? You ever took a bite of roux before you actually turn? That is, that is really, really nasty. And here's the deal. When we, when we make our prayers to the Lord, we like put one thing in there, but we don't put everything in there to give it the flavor and the robustness that the Lord desires from us. We turn our prayers into a single objective, but here's the deal. There are priorities of prayer. And they're given to us plainly and clearly in Matthew chapter 6 called the Lord's Prayer. And here's the deal. It's not, the Lord's Prayer is not meant for us to recite it you know, uh, systematically and over and over and over. The Lord's Prayer is a guideline. It is a recipe of this is how you pray. This is how you talk to the Lord. This is how you commune with the Lord. This is how you stay in tune with what's going on in your life so that you can share with the Lord how you feel and the Lord can share with you how He feels. Amen? So that you can stay connected, so that you can stay together. And, and the more you do it, you know, pray without ceasing, the more you do it, the more in tune you can be. You see, it's funny because you could take the, you could take the exact, you could take a recipe for gumbo, give it to six different people, and it's going to taste different. Why? Well, because this person's going to brown the roux a little bit more than the other. This person's going to add a little bit more salt than the other. This person's going to cut everything up different than the other. You see what I'm saying? And, but what's important is this, is for us to have effective prayers, they need to have the ingredients that Jesus has taught us to have in our prayers. And as we pray, and as we grow, and as we mature, we're going to get better. Amen? We're going to get better. But we're not going to get better if we don't take the ingredients and begin to put them together and say, Okay, Lord, teach me how to make better gumbo. Teach me how to be a person that can pray better. Teach me how to hear your voice. We want to hear the Lord, don't we? You you know that that's important to Him. He doesn't just want to hear you. He wants you to hear Him. Sometimes the world gets our minds so fried that we can't hear the simple whisper of God. And we need to be ready. You know, because, you know, that's, that's, that's like one of the things that so many people teach about when you pray is that you come into quietness, you come into focus, you come into, okay. That's why Jesus got up and went away from everybody. He went out in the garden. He went out in the wilderness and he got, he got quiet and he got focused and he put everything away, around him away and he said, Lord, let me just be focused on you. So... We want to be experienced cooks when it comes to prayer. We want to be able to take the, the recipe that Christ has given us and pray effectively and pray with fruit. We want to be able to talk and hear from God. And also, you know, it's something else. It's, it's more about the taste than the look. Sometimes we're so worried about the look that we forget about the taste. You know, my, I, tell, I make my mom's... Banana pudding, 
Well, I, I actually, I just make the vanilla pudding before you put everything else in. I just like the pudding. Ain't no, many te- no telling how many sticks of butter have died, you know, me making just that vanilla pudding. But the hardest part of that recipe is getting those eggs in there without cooking, you know, getting them mixed in there before they start getting scrambled in there. But you know what? I don't mind eating a few scrambled eggs just to get that pudding sometime. You know, it don't look so great, but it still tastes just as good. It's got a little bit different texture, but to me it still tastes as good. And here's, here's the deal. God just wants you to be so desirous to communicate with him that, you know what, he'll teach you how to pray. Just to take what you know and begin to pray. Do it. Begin to take what Jesus has given us and begin to make something of it. Begin to pray. Begin to seek. Begin to, begin to cry out. Amen? Hey, when I'm alone in the woods, I'll, I'll be a little loud. I'll say, Lord, help me, you know. Not when there's any deer around because I don't want to ruin my hunt. But, but you know what I'm saying? You know, like Dad getting on the rooftop and, and shouting, you know, uh, because of this song. I will, on the rooftops, I'll proclaim that I am yours. So if you go to Matthew chapter 6, Here's the first thing. Now, here's, 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 you know, you, you know, man, it is so hard to communicate in a recipe book how to stir something up. Because I try to read that part. This is how you get the eggs in there without them cooking. But Jesus is trying to do that. Before he gives the recipe, he says this in, verse, in chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Don't do it to be seen. Do it to be heard by the Father. Amen? He says, For then you will have no reward from your Father whom is in heaven. He says, Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. In other words, the only reward they're going to get is the the notice that they desire. That's what you want, that's what you're going to get. God says, I'll add nothing else to it. You want something from me? Then I need to be the, object, the objective, and I need to be what is desired in your efforts. Truly I say to you, they have gained the reward, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And I've, I've heard people like this talk about, you know, they're giving. this isn't about tithes and offerings. This is when you help somebody. Listen, let me go back and say that. When you give to the needy, do not left, let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. But here's the deal. When you help somebody in need, it ain't about you, it's about them. And also, if you go around bragging about how you help somebody out, you shame that person. You know what I mean? If, if you're really about them, just say, here, I want to bless you. And, and, and nobody needs to know about it, Right? That's what that's about. It's about being genuine when you help somebody who has a need and also not shaming the person because they're in a bad situation. So, But if you make it about you and your pride, then that's what you're going to make it about, and that's all the reward you're going to get from it. And then in verse 5 it says, And when you pray, you must not pray like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now this doesn't mean that the only place you can pray is in your closet. There's corporate prayer. There's time to pray. 
Paul says, I want to see men lifting hands and praying and praising. You know, he wants to see these things. And so the, the thing is, is don't do it to be seen, but do it to honor the Lord. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. You see, don't put too much dang salt in the dead gum gumbo, all right? Because then it's not, it's, it's not edible. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. He says, pray then like this. And the first thing is this, is pray, pray like, like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, some of these things I've touched on before, but they're important. These are ingredients to prayer. And the first thing is this, is when you pray, when you're not praying, at all times know this, that God is a good Father and He's holy. He is a holy good Father. Okay? Don't disrespect a holy good Father because He is holy. He is, he is, he is, he is different. He, and, and so many of us, we, 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 we have to get past some of us who've had bad earthly fathers. We need to understand who, how, how God the Father works, how He thinks, how He loves us, how He cares for us, how if, even if He's going to take care of the birds and the lily pads, how much more is He going to take care of us? Amen? But also He's holy. There, he has no flaws like, like, like we as earthly fathers do. He is perfect. He is holy. He is love. And he's also just. And he's going to take care of business. And so we need to understand that about God. It, you know, so prayer, prayer is the very first thing is who in the heck am I talking to? Who am I talking to? I am talking to God the Father. You know... I believe there's one God. We, talk, we, we, we say He's expressed in the Trinity, but well, there's one God. But I think we do need to understand that, you know, I'm, the objective here, God, Jesus came so that we could talk to Father God. Amen? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but through Him. And Jesus is our mediator so that we can talk to who? God. And whose name do we speak in? Jesus, right? Not him or her or they or that dude. It's Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Signed, sealed, delivered, right? Let's don't get no mistake on this. I want to get this to the right address. And so we want to pray to a holy father. Know that he has high standards, but know that he loves us as a father. And he is here to help us. To, to, to meet his will and his desires. And then it goes into your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, before you start asking about your business, God wants you to say, do I care about your business? Do, am I, am, am, as my desires, you know, it says that you, you pray, but your prayers are not answered because you pray, you know, for your own fleshly desires. But how, who, why are we truly praying? Why are we coming to God? Are we about His will and about His kingdom? And we know this, that in Ephesians 2, he says that the will of God is that through the church He would be made manifest. Amen? Is that, is that true in your life? The church. Is, is, that, is that your objective to say, Hey, I, I through, through my salvation, born again experience, am a part of the body of Christ through which God wants to manifest himself. You know, I know people, man, they pray all the time, but they don't want to be a part of the plan. They don't want to be a part of the will. They don't want to do what God has called them to, to see what God 
wants to do happen in this earth. But your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, we have to not just be compliant like Kenneth said, but we've got to be submitted to the grander things of God. Lord, here's some desires I have, but as long as they don't contradict what you want, you know, I'll keep asking for them, but if they do, I'm not. Uh, Lord, how can I fit into your plan? Lord, how can my life serve your plan? Lord, how can, how can my family serve your plan? Everything that we do is to be uh, a, a significant part of the plan and the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. You see, God, in, in, until heaven comes, God wants to manifest heaven through his church. We have the keys. We can unlock the door. We can lock the door. We can open it. We can shut it. We are the church. God wants to manifest his will through his church. God wants to be known through his church. You see, we ain't even got to us yet in this prayer. And now we do. In verse 11, it says, Give us this day our daily bread. You know, Matthew six thirty-one through 33 says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? It says, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You see, it's, it's interesting. We say this all the time. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What? <laughs> your needs. The same needs that you're concerned about, God's concerned about it. But it takes faith for us to believe that, God, as I am deployed for your will and for your pleasure and for your glory, you're going to take care of me. You're going to take care of me. It's just like when I was in the Marine Corps. We, we could only carry so much with us when we went out in the field, but we knew that a helicopter was going to come by or a, a five-ton, something was going to come by with a resupply. How many of you like resupply? Man, I, di- I dipped Copenhagen when I was in the Marine Corps. There was 18 of us out of 20 that dipped Copenhagen. And matter of fact, that was, my, that was, that was the main gist of our meal plan. Because we didn't always get MREs and stuff like that. But I, I remember, this is gross, but there were 18 of us dipping out of one can. And why it's gross is because when we were finished, we'd put it back in there. This is bad. And yes, that's good stewardship. That's using what you got. Take care of your business. That is ultimate stewardship. And I remember it was my, one of the guys on my team, my observer, he had, just, he, he had his side of the can and everybody else was the other side. And, and he finally said, y'all are done. No more. We thought about stabbing him, but, you know, we couldn't do that. Somebody would have to carry his load if he wasn't there. But that day, man, it was awesome. We were sitting there. I remember it was 145 degrees. I'm in the Jordanian desert. And we get a mail call. And I get a package from Christy. And I'm like, wow. You know, just when I needed it most, I received. You know, that's how God, man, God, sometimes you're like to the end. You're like, God, I need you. Man, he just, he gives you a mail call. And, man, we got boxes. And we got one box of 20 rolls of Copenhagen. And, man, everybody got a roll apiece. It was so exciting. Man, it was like, dude, you know, my life is over. It's complete now, you know. Uh, but I got, a, I, got, I got one from Christy, and I had a, I had a Walkman, right, because we listened to cassettes. 
And I'm thinking, yeah, she sent me some rock and roll, something to jam up to, you know. And she sent me a bag of cookies. And I was excited. I'm fixing to listen to some Van Halen or something and some, eat some cookies, you know. But little did I know, she had soap in that box too. So the cookies were soapy. But you know what? I ate them. So I'm sitting there eating soapy chocolate chip cookies in my tent, and I slip in the cassette, and it's Celine Dion love music. But I had my Copenhagen. Matter of fact, I shared all those cookies. But you know, when you, when you, need, when you, when you really have needs, you're appreciative of, of your needs being met. And God's saying, trust me. You know, the children of Israel, No, no, no. We, and I understand what Christy was doing. She was trying to explain. Hey, I listened to it. I did listen to the tape. And I cried and I ate soapy cookies and I dipped Copenhagen. Yeah, blue bubbles. But we need to trust God far better. The children of Israel, they didn't have Walmart. They didn't have Target. They didn't have Express Mart. Their shoes lasted 40 years. Their clothes didn't deteriorate. They drank water from rocks. They ate quail and manna from heaven. That's, that is the exact same trust that God wants us to have in Him. No different. You know, the Old Testament is a precursor to what we are to live like in the New Testament. Amen? But under a way better covenant. Verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We all about being forgiven, but what about forgiving others? I may actually have to do a whole sermon on just this one alone next week. Because it is so misunderstood. So misunderstood. Some of you are in, in Matthew uh, chapter something, further on down. It talks about the, 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 the man who received forgiveness from the guy he was in debt to, a servant to his master. But he turns around and grows, grabs his servant up by the neck and says... I'm going to put you in jail. And then the master found out, and he says, No, you're going to go to jail. I've given you mercy and grace, and you have given none to the people that owe you. He says, No, you're going to go to jail. And, and, you know, some people talk about this in the sense of, Oh, this person obviously wasn't a Christian because he couldn't have done that. And, oh, no, you can be a Christian and have unforgiveness in your heart. Because forgiveness here is not talking about... Remember we talked about being justified, sanctified, glorified? Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified... Amen. Everybody say with me. Have been justified. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you have been justified, you have been justified. Amen. So this isn't about a forgive me for my, my sin and, 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 and being... you know and, and this isn't about your salvation. If you're saved, you're saved. You've been born again. It's not about your relationship with God. It's about your fellowship with Him. You see, here's the deal. Just once again, I could, I could, I could do something wrong against my mother or father. It doesn't break the relationship. We may not be on talking terms. Our fellowship could be messed up. But it doesn't change our relationship. She's still my mom. He's still my dad. I'm still their son. You see, we talked about that. Another thing in Ephesians, you know, you are no longer aliens. You're no longer strangers. You are now children of God. You're no longer orphans. Amen? So this isn't a, this isn't a forgive me, you know, save me. This is a forgive me for breaking fellowship with you. 
and restore me. And, and here's the deal. What happens when we forgive those who have sinned against us? We restore that situation too, right? Because we have the ministry of reconciliation. We're, we're to reconcile things. That's what everything is about. Staying square. I mean, not, not, out, of our, not out of our perfection, but, but having a clean conscience, as Paul says, with God and man. You see, you, can't, you cannot separate your relationship with God's people and Him. The Bible says if you say you love God and you hate your brother, that you're a liar and the truth is not in you. you can't, it doesn't work that way. My relationship with God and my relationship with people are, are the same. It's all in the same, it's in the same household. It's in the same will. It's in the same plan that God has made. And so that's very important. But sometimes people don't want to be forgiven. People do you wrong sometimes. They're like, so? I don't care. What do you do in those situations? We'll talk about that later. That's when you have to let Dad take care of it. Seriously. Because I think the word for... Here's the deal. How are you going to get to heaven? God offered forgiveness, but what did you have to do to receive it? Repent. You had to repent. Repent and believe in the gospel. So what we do is... I, listen, I do believe that when if, if somebody refuses to repent... I don't believe that you're to walk around and be in bitterness and be angry and all that because it becomes your issue. But I believe what Paul says is you make peace where possible. The key thing is, is have you made it possible? Because if you're the stumbling block to the peace, then you're accountable to it. But if you've done all you can to make peace and somebody refuses to make peace, I don't, I don't believe that they can be forgiven in the sense of that it's all good to go. It's not good to go. But, but in, in Matthew, when it talks about the process of reconciliation, you, you give it to the Lord. I think we use the, the word forgiveness for two different things here. It's like I'm going to offer you two different sandwiches, and you know this is grilled cheese and this is peanut butter, but we're going to call them both grilled cheese, if you, if you understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you, you, we don't take the vengeance upon ourselves. We don't take responsibility to make it square away. You give it to the Lord and you trust Him. Say, Lord, I've done all that I can to do. It's in your hands. And then the Lord deals with it. Why? Because the Lord knows their hearts. You don't. The Lord knows if they need discipline or if they need mercy. He knows what they need to bring about you know, the, the reconciliation. So, so when you try to make reconciliation, I mean, because here's the deal. In, in, in Matthew, it says that if, if you go to your brother and he says, no, I ain't repenting, then you get, a, you get a, a friend, a witness from the church. We're talking about brothers and sisters here. And if he says he tells them to stick it in their ear, you tell it to the church. And if he tells the church to stick it in his ear, it says treat him like a tax collector. Yeah? I, I don't see where there's like a complete forgiveness in there. And if Paul says to the sexually immoral man that refused to repent, it says, turn him over to Satan. You see, we need to understand in the Bible when it talks about the, the birds of the air and the beasts of the field and tormentors and all these things, it's talking about the demonic activity of Satan. And God says that the sexually immoral man, he says, if he refuses to repent, turn him over to Satan. It says that his flesh may be destroyed for the saving of his soul. Some deep stuff here. And so you need, to learn, you need to learn how to combat these things with the Lord. You need to learn how to not become bitter. You need to learn how to trust the Lord. Don't, don't become your own spiritual vigilante. And uh, we'll probably talk about this more next week.
But we need to forget. We, we need to ask for, for We need to confess our faults to one another. We may be healed. We need to be open. We need to be. Here's the deal. You have the right when you fall to run to the Father. That's His desire. Not to, there, is no, there is no purgatory time. There's no, there's no, there's no like, uh, well, you've you, you got to wait 30. No, when you, when you are convicted, you immediately go to the Father and you have access through Jesus Christ who is at the right hand. Amen? God is for rapid restoration in situations. And He also desires that for you and people in your life. Because as the relationships go in the body, they go with the Lord. It's all the same relational context. Verse 13, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now the Bible says that the Lord does not tempt man. Matthew 26, 41 says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. This is Jesus. He says, The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Can I get a witness? Yeah. I mean, the spirit is, you know, hey, yeah, let's do this. And the flesh is like, "Mm, I'm too weak. And it is. That's why God wants to help us kill the flesh. And Jesus is saying, he's saying here, Watch and pray. He, he's not saying what, just pray that you don't enter into temptation. He's saying be aware. Like Peter says, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, goes to and fro like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The Bible says, humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee for you. So he's saying here, don't wait till you get into the moment of temptation. He's saying be watchful, be smart, be praying. Praying not only, God, deliver me, but praying, God, give me the sense to see Satan coming. Some of us need the sense to see Satan coming. Why? Because he's coming. Now, I'm not saying that so you could lay in your your bed and be afraid all night long. I'm just saying he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So don't be whom he may, okay? Don't wear a name tag that says whom he may because you will be identified. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Amen? Is that good stuff? You see, okay, God is for you. Okay? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, the deal is, is we're trying to be for God, right? We want to be on the same side. We want to be in the same context. And so this here is about, this here, these, these six ingredients here do so much. They keep you in a walking awareness relationship with God so that you can grow with Him and love Him and get to know Him and y'all can get to know each other. But also it's about Him taking care of you. And also it is y'all working together to battle this adversary that's, that's out to try to cause hell in our life. Amen? And, and we need that direction. We need that wisdom. And when our minds are so full of the world and the craziness and the busyness, when we don't take time to sit down and get, get quiet and get focused, you're like, man, you know, uh, I think I said it already. Martin Luther said, I, I can't afford to not pray three hours a day to do all the stuff that I've got to do. You're like, well, dang, that's three hours. That, 
I need to be doing all the other things. But I'm going to tell you this. My life goes better when I take the time to sit down and pray and say, Lord, what do you want me to hear today? And he always usually shows me something. And if not immediately that time, sometime during the day, he'll give me an answer to what I'm looking for. How many of you feel like you can afford to do this without communicating with God? That's like the IRS. If you... If you if you didn't owe or owed or whatever, would you want to fail at communicating with the IRS, you know, because of the ramifications of that? Or if, or if you had, if you won a prize, you know, like what, say you won the Publishers Clearinghouse. I still don't know if that's real. They say it is. You know, some people say that they don't believe that man landed on the moon, that it was all video gimmicks, and I believe we went to the moon, but I do believe that Publishers Clearinghouse is all video sham show stuff. But, but, I mean, if you, if you believed, they said, hey, if, if you really, I've get, you get them all the time, but call this number because you will win a million dollars. What would you do? Hey, even though I may not believe in something, I may still call the dang number, you know, just to make sure. I could be wrong, you know. But, but, but do you realize the, the, the importance of you talking to God? Because everything that you have, everything that you possess is... Is, is underneath him. We're, we don't own nothing. We're just stewards of our time, of our treasures, of our talents, of our children, of our relationships. And we need God so desperately to speak into our lives and to lead us and to guide us. And we need to be... And, and here's... This here is... It's a, it's, prayer is about relationships. It's about, it's, about, it's about protection. It's about provision. But you know what? It's also about accountability. Don't forget who God is. Don't forget your responsibility in relationships. Don't forget what God has asked us to do. Remember, remember when, I think it was here when I was talking about a while ago, but when, when Jesus told the disciples, you know, if somebody sins against you 70 times in a day, you know, the first off, they, he said, you know, forgive, forgive. And they're like, oh, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, I can forgive somebody. And then Peter says, well, how many times? He says, 70 times in a day. And, and they're like, increase our faith. And Jesus didn't increase their faith. He said this, a servant does what he's told to do. Right. <laughs> Amen. Dang, that ain't the answer I wanted. I just wanted you to increase my faith. Jesus said, uh, do what you're told. Wow. That's pretty strong words from Jesus, right? Doesn't seem very Christ-like. Obedience is very Christ-like. That's what Jesus wants us to do. Sometimes it ain't about give me faith. It's about do what you're told. Sometimes desire comes through a belt whipping. I did lots of things as a kid that I didn't want to do because I didn't want to suffer being chastised. Did lots of things in the Marine Corps I didn't want to do, but I did it because... I didn't want to be chastised. You know, they say Marines learn through pain and repetition. Everybody learns through that. Some are just slower than others. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So what is the Lord, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? Do you, do you really pray? Do you value prayer as something that is relationally important, provisionally important, protection important? I mean, it, 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 here's the deal. It's like, it's like the dude that went to the Godfather. Because why? The Godfather, 
in the in the movie. I just remember the, the man, he had some problems and oh, this is good. I, I, I should have asked Aaron all this stuff. It just came to me, man. Aaron knows all the movie stuff. A guy comes to the Godfather and says, Hey, my daughter was hurt or something like that. Could you help me? And the Godfather looked at him and says, How dare you come to me? You've never said hello to me. You've never said hi to me. You just show up want me to take care of your business. And I'm like, Wow, we do God like that. We don't ever say hi. We don't ever say I love you. We don't ever say thank you. We don't ever just sit down and have coffee with the Lord. But when we have a need, we just come in there. My bosses don't even like that, much less the holy Father God that we serve. Because here's the deal. God wants to take care of your business, but he wants you to love him. And like Joey said, he's not going to demand that you love him. He wants you to love him because he loved us first. So do you value prayer the way that you are doing? Quit making excuses why you can't make gumbo. Take the ingredients Start mixing it up. And you know what? One day, you'll be able to make a good gumbo. One day, you'll be able to make some good, solid, fervent prayers. One day, you won't be shy, but you'll be excited to say, hey, let me pray for you. You know, there's always something, when there's a need, it seems like there's always a person that jumps up and says, hey, let's pray right now. And the deal is, is because they ain't afraid. They're bold. They're ready. I want everybody to stand on your feet before we go. Hmm. <laughs> Here's the altar call. The altar call is not, Lord, give me faith to pray, but Lord, let me obey using the ingredients that you told me to. That's the altar call. So if today the, Lord, the Holy Spirit's put on your heart, you need to pray. I've already told you how to do it. You just need to do what you know to do. If that's you today, and this isn't a beat down. This is, hey, let's, let's make a step today in faith. Hey, my, my prayer life is increasing from just, you know, been reading on it and studying on it. But today, if, if that's you and you say, I'm not a prayer and I want to be, today say, Lord, help me become a prayer. Teach me how to pray. If that's you today, come while we just sing a short worship song.